Our study tonight is out of 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and 2 Chronicles, uh, 2 Kings chapter 12 and 13 and 2 Chronicles chapter 22 and 23. So we're going to be covering verses throughout all these texts. Uh, Joash the temple restorer. So starting in 2 Kings, a little review. Jehoshaphat, Jeho, Jehoash, also known as Joash, Bible uses both terms for him, was seven years old when he became king. Jehoash reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. And Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days which Jehoiada, the Kohen, instructed him. And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. So he becomes king, this is at seven years old, he becomes king and killing off his grandmother who was the queen who uh, took the throne by killing off all her children and grandchildren, any heirs, possible heirs, uh, except for Joash who gets hidden away, kept in the temple for six years, becomes king, and so reigns 40 years during this time, follows the Lord, and one of the first things they do is they make a covenant between God and themselves and the king and the people. Very important. That uh, takes the throne into the position, making a covenant. That's the first thing that we should do every single morning as we start our day, as we begin on our throne, on, on whatever God has us doing for that day. Before we talk to anyone, before we do anything, before we eat anything, our first thing should be committing ourselves to God and allowing God, giving God permission to direct us for that day. Whether to take the plans that we have and totally throw them away and start over new, or whatever God's will is for us. Ask for his direction each and every day. And that's what they did, beginning of the kingdom. God, we want to covenant with you. Now this is where we're picking up. That was all just review. Second Chronicles 24, verse 4. Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. For the sons of Ataliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. So she goes in and, and, and changes everything in the temple. She only reigned for six years, but she begins this process of worshiping Baal. She was a, a daughter of, of Ahab and Jezebel who brought Baal worship into the northern tribes, into Israel. And it's become queen of the southern tribes through marriage and, uh, and so brought that in. And so one of the first things, this young boy, seven years old, I mean, could you imagine a seven-year-old king? We had some kids here tonight that were around seven years old, right? Could you imagine any of them <laughs> reigning over this country? <laughs> I know some people, I won't say, but... <laughs> but... Uh, that's what they had, seven years old. But they had Jehoiada, the Kohen Gadol, who was reigning over the, uh, over the country, or was assisting and helping the child and, and, and leading and directing him. But also the child was raised for those years in the temple, surrounded by godly worship, surrounded by godly people, instructing him in the right way. And one of the first things, again, we saw the first thing was coveting, and then somewhere along the line, he sets his heart towards repairing the temple. Looks around God's house and he says, you know, look at this, it's all broken down. They brought these Baal things in here. They brought these idol things in here. They took the pieces of furniture that God said should be in here 
and, and change them out, and he wants to repair the temple of the Lord. He wants to repair the house of the Lord. And that's good. That's very good. That this is his desire. And so he gathered the Kohanim and the Levites and said to them to go into the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of the Lord your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. Let's not let this take forever. Let's go and appeal for an offering and, and let's get it done. Right? Let's, let's get this house repaired. And so uh, this is, again, the, the young boy. Uh, well, we don't know again at what age he's at at this time. Then in 2 Kings verse, chapter 12, verse 4, Joash said to the Kohanim, all the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, the assessment money, and all the money a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, take it and repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. And so he gives specific instruction of which funds are to go to the repairing of the temple. And we'll come back to that thought a little bit uh, later, but we see the different kinds of funds he's using here. The census funds, the assessment funds, and whatever people purpose in their heart, whatever people decide on their own to give as an offering, as a free will offering, uh, out of the, the goodness of their hearts, of God impressing them, that is what is to be used for the temple purposes, for the repairing of the temple and the upkeep of the temple. By the 23rd year of Joash, the Kohanim had not repaired the damages of the temple. And so King Joash called Jehoiada and said, why haven't you required the Levites to bring in the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, for the tabernacle of witness? <coughs> so this is interesting. Now, it's the 23rd year. And so we don't know when, again, he started on it. It doesn't tell us when he purposed in his heart to have the temple repaired. But, uh, but by the 23rd year, it's not done. So if it started early, that was a long time of him waiting to get it done, and it's not done. And so he uh, calls in, and we see this is his idea. Whether as a young boy or as a teenager or somewhere along the line, it was his idea to do this because he calls in Jehoiada and takes him to the task. Why aren't you on top of this? Why aren't you collecting the funds to repair the temple? Why aren't you getting the temple repaired? And see, if it was Jehoiada's idea, he would have been on top of it. But we see it's the, it's the young boy king. Even again, if he's 23, he's still young, right? Uh, so even if he started at 22 or 21 or 20 or whatever, still his initiative to have the temple repaired. And Jehoiada and, and the rest of the Levites and the Kohenim, they're slacking on this, and they're not wanting to go and do that. I wonder why. Is it easy to make peels for money? It's easy to go around town, right? You just had this wicked king for six years, and before her, her, her um, I guess her son for a year, and before that, her husband for uh, seven years or eight years or something like that, 15 years of this Baal worship, and now, okay, a new thing's coming in, and you're going to raise taxes? You're going to start appealing for money? Well, that's not going to win friends and influence people, right? And so they're a little hesitant on that. They don't want to do that. And even to this point in time, you know, from 7 to 23, these years, they're still not really wanting to go and ask people for money. Right? So they're, they're hesitant. I imagine that would be one of the reasons, right? If not the main reason, at least one of the reasons why they didn't do it. And, but the king gets on them. The king says, look, this is God's house. God's house needs to be repaired. God's house needs to look beautiful for God. 
We're inviting people to come in here. We're inviting people to come and worship God. We're inviting people to, to learn about him. Young children, where they're first learning about God, we're for, for people to renew their covenant with God. People have an experience of receiving forgiveness as they bring their sacrifices into the temple of God. It needs to honor God. It's a representation of the heavenly sanctuary. It needs to be done for God's honoring glory. And so he calls them on it. He tells them to come before him and, and he rebukes them on this. In the second Chronicles, chapter 24, at the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had given Israel in the wilderness. And so we see again from this passage and the other passage, he's quoting the Bible. He's quoting the Torah. He's quoting Moses for his reason. Moses said, God said that God's temple needs to be repaired and kept up. The funds need to come from the people. And so he's appealing to the word of God. So we see here again, even with Jehoiada's leadership, he's a godly young man as well, godly king, wanting to do things according to the word of God. Whether it's popular opinion or not, whether people like it or not, this is God's word, and this is what he's going to present. This is what he's going to appeal to. And so he puts a chest out there, a tzedakah box, right? And he says, okay, as you come in to the temple, you give your free will offering, you give your offerings, you bring it in voluntarily, we're not going to tell you how much, we put that chest out there, and when you come in throughout all Judea and Jerusalem, bring to the Lord a collection. Bring to God's house funds for it. Instead of now, instead of the Levites going out, people, when they come in, they're to bring their offerings with them. Set the chest out there. Kind of like we have our tzedakah box in the back. And so all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions, and put them into the chest until all had given. So maybe a different response than the Levites had expected. They're rejoicing at this. This is a great idea. Yes, God's house should be beautiful. Yes, God's house should honor him. Yes, we have a right to give back to God. God has blessed us so much. The, the wicked king and the, the queen and the males are gone and we've had good years and prosperous years under your leadership and we want to thank God and we're so thankful to the Lord for what he's done for us. He's forgiven us. He's had mercy upon us. He's shown us the right way to live. We are so thankful to God and they're rejoicing in giving back to God how God has blessed them. And so they're thankful about it and rejoicing. God loves a cheerful giver, and they're cheerful givers. They're cheerfully giving, and God is honoring their offerings. And they put it in the chest until everyone had done so. Everybody had given, everyone participated, everyone helped, everyone gave. And when there was much money in the chest, the king's scribes and officers emptied the chest and then returned it to its place, and they gathered money in abundance. This kept on going on. They put the chest out there, they'd get filled, they would take it away, empty it out, bring it back, put it out there, and it'd get filled again. And they took it, emptied it, counted the money, put it back out there, and it got filled again. This was happening, and they gathered in abundance. As God was moving upon the hearts of his people, they freely gave to the Lord. Now, they didn't do it for the first several years on their own. They needed some encouragement. 
Right? It wasn't just the Holy Spirit impressing them, because they didn't do it until the 23rd year on their own. They didn't walk and say, oh, you know, there's a hole in the temple there, and all this, you know, where she took this out, where she knocked this, and put the bell thing here. This needs to be repaired. It wasn't until the king encouraged it and got the Kohanim and the Levites on board, and then the people said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And they, oh, that's wonderful. And they rejoiced. And then they started giving. And they gave in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters and also those who worked in iron and bronze to repair and restore the house of the Lord. They did not require an account from those men into whose hands they had delivered the money to be paid to the workmen, for they dealt faithfully, and so people's, God's people were faithful, faithful in giving, faithful in, in accountability of the funds, and faithful in doing the work. And the money from the trespass offerings and sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the Kohenim. Okay, so we're seeing some divisions here. All right, so there's some offerings that they gave that went to the repairing of the temple. There are other offerings that they gave that was not to be used in repairing the temple. Those funds, those offerings were only to be used, or animal offerings, different type of offerings, were only to be used for the Kohenim. So there's differences in the Bible. The Bible specifically lays out what is to be used for what. So God's very specific in, in these things, and we can't just use it for whatever we want. Can't say, oh, well, this is God's money, I'm going to go buy myself a Bible with it. <laughs> or, or even buy someone else, you know, something. Certain funds are for certain things. And God gives us enough to do whatever uh, is necessary. Verse 13, and the workmen labored, and the work was completed. They restored the house of God to its original condition, and then reinforced it even more. So they got it back to the glory that it had in its original condition back hundreds of years, well, maybe not hundreds, but certainly a good period of time. I would say I, I should have figured it out, but uh, well over 100 years, maybe 200 years since Solomon. And brought it back to its original condition. Could you imagine bringing a building that's uh, over 100 years old back to its original condition? Restoring it that well. And then reinforcing it even more and strengthening it even more building it up even better than it was before. God blessed the hands of these workmen. God blessed the, the funds that had come in in abundance to be able to do it all. And then in verse 14, and when they finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, and they made articles for the house of the Lord for serving and offering for spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. So they gave more than was necessary for just the repairing of the temple, and they had money left over, and they said, well, let's now do some extra stuff for the house of the Lord. And so they made some extra uh, vessels and, 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 and pieces of uh, gold and silver things that could be used in the various, uh, as instruments in the various conduct of the temple services. God bless. All these years, the Levites were afraid to make an appeal for God's people to give faithfully back to him. And when they did, 
God moved upon their heart. People were open and receptive. The people rejoiced and gave and gave offerings and, and, and sacrificed to the Lord, confessed their sins before the Lord, committed their, and it all started with them making a covenant between God and themselves. And that's where it starts. It's not where it ends. We start with the covenant, and then God fills us with his Holy Spirit and begins to transform our lives so that we want to do the things that he calls us to do. The, the offering box that we have here, it's called the Sadaka box. That's an interesting term for it because that word is literally means righteous. A righteous box. And uh, an old King James Bible a translation in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says charity. His long-suffering charity is his charity of this. In modern translations translated as love. Love suffers long. Love, interesting words. The charity and love equated equally by certain translators. Righteousness and giving offerings translated equally. In other words, the righteous giveth and God blesseth. That if we are charitable, we are demonstrating God's love manifested in our lives. So interesting. And that's exactly what we see here. Since they covenanted with God, microphone's not on? Sound. David, sound, they're saying the sound went off. I think the battery's dead. The battery is dead. Oh, okay. All right, do you want me to use this one here? Acoustics. Yeah. Okay, so how far back do I have to repeat? Start at, the <laughs> Start at the beginning. Okay, let's go back. Second Kings. All right. And when they had finished, let's see, is that in there twice? Okay, that's where we were. And everyone, and now, uh, now that was the temple there, so we had Solomon's temple, then restored in Joash's time. Let's go back and look at how the original temple, the original tabernacle was built in Exodus, in, in the Torah. Exodus 35, 1 and 2. Everyone came bringing to the Lord his offering for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service. And men and women, all whose hearts moved them, all who would make an offering of gold to the Lord, came bringing brooches, earrings, uh, pendants, gold objects of all kinds. So in the building of the first tabernacle, again, it was God's people coming, God's people freely giving, yeah. all whose hearts moved them. And that's what God wants. God wants freely given. And we love him so much that we appreciate so much what he has already done in our life and what he's promised to do and the everlasting life that he has promised to us and the heaven that he's promised to us. In gratitude, we give back from what he has already given us. And that's what they did. God blessed them, brought us out of Egypt, blessed us with abundance, and so they gave back to the Lord. And there again, it was a situation where they gave more than was necessary. And Moses had to say, stop giving. Oh, that that would happen again, huh? <laughs> we have other godly examples in Genesis. It says that Abraham gave a tithe of all. And also regarding Jacob. Jacob promises when he has this vision of angels ascending and descending 
from heaven. He says, of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. A tenth, a tithe, same thing. Now this is another type of uh, giving to God. Separate than what was in the temple. The tithe, the tithe is a specific amount. Where the others, they gave freely, however their heart moved them, for the work of the Lord, for the building of the temple of the Lord. That again was just a, whatever amount God moves upon your heart. Free will offering. But the tithe, tithe is very specific. Tithe, it says it's 10%. 10% of whatever God gave us, God requires us to return back to him. So that's a set amount, and that is for a specific purpose. That is, the Bible lays it out very specific for the work of the, the Levites, the, the Kohanim, for the ministers. And then the other free will offerings for the upkeep, for all other kinds of ministry, or for all other kinds of uh, things that are used in service for the Lord. Very specific in the scriptures. Leviticus, still in the Torah, says all the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the tithe is, again, it's not ours, it's God's. All the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to him. He lets it pass through our hands, but it's his. He claims it. He claims it by right. He claims it. he gave us, and so he claims that percentage as his to begin with. And since he's the one who gave it to us to begin with, he has every right to do so. Deuteronomy still in the Torah, it says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God gives us the power to get wealth. Sometimes we think it's our own abilities that got us wealth. Well, I went to school and I studied so hard, or I took this trade and I've mastered this trade and I've worked so hard at it, and I'm so skilled, my hands, my fingers, my eyes, my mind, creativity, intelligence. But where did all those things come from? Where did our fingers come from? Where did our hands come from? Where did our eyes come from? Where did our brains come from? They all come from God. Those are all gifts that God has given to us. And they can be removed in a moment's time. And so as God has given us these things to use in his service, they have given us the ability to acquire wealth. He still, gave, he still has every right to it. Because he is the one who brought it into our lives. And keep the Ten Commandments still here in the Torah. The Eighth Commandment, Exodus 20, you shall not steal. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, will a man rob from God? Could you imagine someone robbing from God? Could you imagine someone reaching into the tzedakah box and pulling out some money? Could you imagine something? That would be so low, wouldn't it? Unbelievable. And there are people. There are people who, who rob from synagogues and rob from churches. Unbelievable. But some people do that. That'd be horrible. I just can't believe that there's a God who sees, I guess, right? How low could you get to rob from God? And that's what God asks. Can, will you rob? Will a man rob from God and get away with it? Certainly not. Continues on, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. Again, God says the tithe is his. 
That 10% is his. And so if we're not returning it back to him, then we're keeping it to ourselves. And the Bible says we're stealing from God. It's like if you rented an apartment and the person places a refrigerator in there for you and a stove in there, right, or whatever, whose refrigerator is it? Whose stove is it? Theirs. And when you move out, if you take that refrigerator and stove with you, you took something that was theirs that they let you use, that they placed under your management while you were there. Right? Same type of principle. God allows the money to come through us. He allows 100% of it to come into our hands. But he says 10% of it's mine. Yes, you're holding on to it right now, but it's mine. And so to keep it back, the Bible says, is stealing from God. Be hard to be blessed by God when we're stealing from God. And he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And if every believer gave faithfully of their tithe, and then offerings on top of that, as it said, tithes and offerings. And again, the offering part is whatever percentage you want to give or whatever God impresses upon your heart. But if everyone gave faithfully in tithes and then offerings on top of that, God's work would have been done long ago. And we'd be home and in heaven before now. And then he goes on, same chapter, Malachi 3, try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's a pretty good offer. He says, try it. I mean, if you don't like it, you can go back. <laughs> I right, try it out for a year. See how it works. How's stealing from God working for you, you know? He says, try me in this. He's, he's a very fair God. He's an open God. He's a, he's a loving God. He says, come on, let's try it out. Let's enter into a, an agreement together. Let's enter into a covenant together. God has covenant to us. He has, again, first given us. Right? Some people might say, well, I don't have enough to give. Well, if it's 10% of anything that he's already given us, then how can we say we haven't have anything to give? Right? You find a dollar on the street, then you got at least 10% of it to give back to God, right? If you're in $10 at work, well, then you got at least a dollar. He doesn't ask anything if you don't have anything, right? What's 10% of zero? Zero, right? So if you actually have zero and haven't earned zero and haven't received zero, no one's given you anything, and you zero, zero, have zero, and never had zero, always had zero, never had anything, well, then you don't have to give any tithe. You don't have to return tithe. <laughs> But as soon as someone gives you something, they give you 10 apples or whatever, as soon as someone gives you something, you earn something, you get something, and God says, now you have something. I'll tell you what, I'll let you keep 90%. That's not a bad deal. Just give me back my 1%, my 10%. That's not a bad deal at all. And that's all he requires. He says, so let's try it out. I've already given you something, he says. I've already given you life. I already brought you into this world. I already gave you some talents. I already gave you some abilities. And so I've already been giving to you. 
And so now try me. Give me a little back and see what I do for you. I will bless you so much, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Remember a few weeks ago we were reading about Elijah and the, and the lepers went out to the Syrian camps and they saw all this abundance. Well, I guess before that, uh, the, the king and his servant came to Elijah and Elijah says, I promise you, there was a big famine coming on, uh, famine happened. Well, they were sieged, they had no food and uh, they were eating bird poop and, and, and donkey heads and, uh, and Elijah promised tomorrow there's going to be abundance of food. And the king's servant said, well, can God open up the windows of heaven? Well, God says, yes, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have room to receive it. And God did that next day. They had so much food, they had, it was tons. They didn't have room to receive it. Lepers went out and they got all, they said, there's more than we can receive. So he says, try me out. Test me in this. It's not a bad deal. Try him out. Test him. That's a pretty nice God says, test me, try me. I've already blessed you and I'll bless you even more. He's challenging us. I dare you, try me, he says. Try it out. So if, let's say you ask, or your neighbor comes to you and asks you to borrow their ladder. They're gonna paint their house and, and some brushes and things like that. And, uh, and so you say, okay and you loan it to them, right? And they go and they paint their house. Should they return the ladder to you? Well, why? Didn't you let them use it? It's still yours, right? So if they return the ladder to you, did they do anything great? No, they were just being honest, right? They returned your ladder, it's your ladder, right? And so when we return the tithe back to God, God says it's his. The 10% is his. So when we're turning the tithe back to him, we don't earn any credit for that. <laughs> any more than your neighbors should get a pat on the back for returning your ladder to you, right? Do you say, oh, thank you so much for returning my ladder? Would you give him a gift for returning your ladder to you? Oh, that was so nice of you. Oh, okay, good, yes, yeah, my ladder, <laughs> right? He's not doing anything special by giving you back your ladder. Now, if he appreciates, oh, thank you so much for lending me your ladder, and he buys you a fruit basket, now what's he doing? He's showing appreciation. He's thanking you. Right? And that's the free will offering. That's the offerings on top of the tithe. When we're returning tithe, all we're doing is giving God back his ladder. And when we give offerings on top of that, we are saying, God, I love you so much. I am so thankful you blessed me. And so here is more on top of that. Out of the 90% that, that you say is mine, which again, he's given us the ability to get, I want to give you some of that as well. Then we're showing. Then we really start. So the tithe is just a test of honesty <coughs> towards God. Are we going to steal from him or not? It's a test. Like Adam and Eve, he put the tree in there to see if they would steal from it. It was a test. And that's all the tithe is. He allows, he puts the money 100% into our hands to test us to see if we trust him that if we give him 10% that he's able to give us more than 10% back. That he's able to bless us. So it's just a little test. 
a test of loyalty, a test of love, a test of faith, a test of trust. So again, the tithe, the 10%, that's just being honest, returning what's already God's. And then the free will offering on top of that demonstrates our love, our appreciation, our thankfulness to God. Does that make sense? Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, 6, and 9. The Lord says, consider how you are doing. You sow much and bring in little. You eat without being satisfied. You drink without getting full. You clothe yourselves and yet you don't get warm. And he who earns anything earns it for a leaky purse. Because my house is in ruins while you hurry to your own homes. Does that sound... You sound like, I hope not, but maybe that sounds familiar. Don't nod your head or whatever. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like you're, you're never getting ahead. You're always living a, a week behind. Always living paycheck to paycheck. Always struggling along. That's what the Bible describes. You're sowing, you're sowing, you're sowing, and never getting ahead. Never have enough. Never satisfied. Seems like you earn money, you put it in your pocket, and it falls right out a hole in the pocket. You put it in the purse, and it seems like there's a hole in the purse. Seems like no matter how hard you work and no matter how many hours you put in, there's, it's still never enough. Seems to just leak right out. Seems to disappear. God says, because my house is in ruins while well, we're hurrying to our own houses. Fixing up our own houses and not concerned of the house of the Lord. We're stealing from him and he's not going to bless He's not going to pour out the windows of heaven. He's not going to open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we cannot receive it when we're stealing from him and taking from him. And so even the 90% that, or I guess we kept, didn't return the tithe, even the 100% that we kept, or 95 or 97 or 93 or whatever percent we kept, it won't last. It'll be a leaky purse. It won't satisfy. But the amazing thing is, when we keep only... 90% and give God the 10%, he blesses in such abundance that we're satisfied and rejoice. And then there's more than enough, as we saw with, with Joash and with Solomon and with Moses and over and over again throughout the scriptures and in our own lives and in the stories Gloria reads week after week after week of people who trusted God and put God first and saw how God blessed in abundantly. So God says, try me in this. He says, examine yourself. See how you're doing. Consider how you're doing. And how are we doing? Is the text that said, they rejoiced and gave and gave in abundance. Apply. Or is it more like eating and not being satisfied, drinking and not getting full, still cold, and a leaky purse? At the end of the week, there's more week than there is money. Consider how we're doing. Consider how you're doing. Examine ourselves. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That makes sense. That's all good, right? Do unto others, and it will be done back to us. Good, 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 good. Well, same principle. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over 
will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you Yeshua says if you don't forgive we won't be forgiven right if we don't forgive we won't be forgiven but if we forgive if we don't judge we won't be judged if we don't condemn we won't be condemned if we forgive we will be forgiven and so in the same light if we give it will be given back to us and even more so and if we don't give even what we have will be taken away from us so it's a very simple principle it's how we keep the keep the cycle going right who gives first God God gives first he gave us life he gave us ability he gave us talents he gave us the ability to earn wealth and so he gives to us first then we give back to him he promises I will open up the windows of heaven and give to you such a blessing that you won't have room to receive it he gives again then we got more and so we give to him he says great and he gives more and that's how the cycle works and God will never break his promise God will never stop the cycle the only one who has power to break the cycle is us God gives us that authority God gives us that ability to stop his cycle if we want amazing amazing but if we give it'll be given to us good measure full box and then press down right stuffs that box God fills the box fully box full box of stuff and then he stuffs it down and presses down so there's even more room and then he shakes it together you know you read on a box of cereal or whatever it says it's half full because it's shaken in travel right you know <laughs> they got this big box and it's only half full well they say it's because of the shaking well that's a lot of shaking going on but that's what God does he presses the box and then he shakes it so that it settles even more and there's even more room in there and then he pours into it even more till it's overflowing that's pretty good that's a wonderful promise I can't beat that out of the little 10 percent when you give back to him can keep 90 little 10 percent he says then I'll give you an abundance pressing it down shaking it together filling it again pressing it again shaking it again filling it doing that over and over again until it's flowing over and not have room to receive it so much that it'll just be pouring out and giving to others wonderful promises over and over again all conditional wonderful promises honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine over and over again so we see the process here commit our lives to God God's blessed us honor him with all the possessions dedicated all to him commit to him consecrate ourselves onto him and he will bless us with increase and overflow wonderful wonderful prom promises this one out of yes Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 wonderful promises could you imagine if you worked on a farm let's say some guy hired you to work on a farm and uh, he's the farm owner he owns the farm he owns all the equipment he owns the tractor he owns the irrigation pipes he owns it all he owns the land 
and he hires you and he hired hand and you're working for him and it comes har harvest time and you participate in the harvest with him and you load up the trucks and, and you take it down to the market and he sells it off and on the way back he's driving the truck and, and he hands you the money and he asks you to count it and it's sixty thousand dollars you've been working on his land using his equipment he's driving his truck it was his seed you counted sixty thousand dollars says oh we did good this year I'll tell you what give me six thousand and I'll let you keep the rest what would you say would you say that's not fair this is your land your truck your seed your barn your equipment you should get the fifty-four thousand, and I'll just take six thousand, right? He says, "No, no, no. You just give me six thousand. You keep fifty-four thousand. That's a pretty good deal. It's a deal. <laughs> That's what God does. He lets us work His land with His equipment, with His abilities, with His tools. He blesses the the harvest." And he says, just give me back 10%. It's, it's good billing, right? It's a good deal. He blesses us. How can we not take him up on that? Especially when we know that by returning to him and then giving on abundance, we're storing up in heaven. And that there'll be more people in heaven as a result of our giving back to God. And that it'll hasten our time to get into heaven. That the work will go forward. And that people will know the Lord before they die. And that we can go home. We should willingly and freely and joyfully be giving back to God. But what if we're not joyful about it? What do we do? We just paint a smile? Just force a smile when you walk past the Sadaka box and throw it in? Like everything else. It's not natural to give. We are born selfish. We inherited that from Adam and Eve. After they took of that tree, Satan filled them with selfishness. And we bought into selfishness. We are naturally selfish. It's not normal for us to want to give. And so we confess that. God, I confess that I'm selfish. God, I confess that I'm greedy. God, I confess that I don't have faith in your wonderful promises. I don't have faith that I've given you this little portion of this whole amount that you're going to give me so much more that I'm not even going to notice it's gone. I confess my lack of faith. I confess my unbelief. I confess my fear that I won't have enough. That's what it comes down to. Lack of faith, fear. I confess that I'm stealing from you. Confess it. And he says, great, good thing. And he takes it from us. He places it upon his son. Kills it there. Buries it away. And he gives us a new heart. He gives us a heart that wants to give. He gives us a heart that is charitable. He gives us a heart that is loving. He gives us a heart that is obedient. He gives us a heart that is honest and faithful and true. And he fills us with joy in giving back to him. It's a miracle. It's the only way it's going to happen. You're not going to be joyful about giving even 1%, let alone 10%. You're not going to be joyful about giving a penny, naturally, without a converted heart without a transformed heart. But we ask God to change our heart, and that's one of the miracles of transformation that he does. That we then willingly 
give back to him what is really his anyway. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all his. And so that's all we need to do today, maybe again tomorrow, and the next day, and throughout our lives. Because that selfishness wants to continue to come in. That doubt wants to come back in. That fear wants to come back in. So we need to keep it in the tomb. And allow God to continually fill us with his spirit. And then joyfulness and rejoicing naturally comes out. Because we've got new hearts, new minds, filled with God's spirit living in us and out of us and for us. We're going to play a little movie. I think this, is a, this will work. Oh, You made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, it's no shame to be poor. But it's no great honor either. So what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? If I were a rich man, if I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. Most important, then, time will come to pass. 
woman, what would we do? Is it then when we would be faithful to God? If I had more, then I would do? Again, all he requires is 10% of whatever we have. That's simple enough. That's equal enough. We don't have to wait till we're rich. And we really all are already rich. Rich in God's blessings. Rich in God's love. We are co-inheritors with the Messiah to eternal life, to sit upon his throne, preparing mansions for us in heaven, giving us everlasting life. We're already rich. We're already kings with him. Co-aneem with him. Seated with him. We believe by faith. He's already done it. He's already bought us. He's already paid the price for us. He's already adopted us. He's already accepted us as his own. The inheritance is ours. We're already rich in him. It's out of love and appreciation and honesty and faithfulness. All he calls us to do is to pass the test, to return to him what is his, to demonstrate love by giving over and above that. As we pray together tonight, I invite each of us to commit to serving God, serving Him faithfully, 
returning to him faithfully so that God's work can go forward, so that we can go home, so that our records would be clean, and that we can receive the abundance of God has, what God has promised so that we can do even more for him and so that can be even more people in heaven. Yeah, as I said, if everyone, if every believer, professed believer has given faithfully, had been giving faithfully tithes and offerings, not only would we be home ere this just because of that, but as he promised to bless even abundantly more by giving that, then we would have even more to return to him that the work would be even go, see this whole cycle of, it would just go faster. It'd be exponentially expounded upon more and more, increasing, so that his work could go that much faster. As we read with uh, just Joash, said do it quickly, they didn't do it. When he got on it and said let's do it, they finished it quickly. The funds came in and they finished the temple very quickly. God's work can be finished quickly, amazingly fast, miraculously fast, if we demonstrate faithfulness to him. And that's really all he's looking for. He's not looking for the money. She would have said, will I find faith in the earth? He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for a bunch of people who won't do what Adam and Eve did. He's looking for a bunch of people that he can take into heaven who won't steal from him up there, who won't take what's not theirs. And that's really all he's looking for. He doesn't need any of our stuff. All the cattle on a thousand hills is his. He's looking for faithfulness. So we pray together. Let us commit to being faithful to the Lord throughout this next year and throughout our lives by his grace. And if we have any fear or any selfishness or any covetousness or greed, let's just be honest with God and surrender it to him. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful that you are so merciful. You've given to us, you've brought us into this world, you love us, you've given and given and given to us even when we haven't returned faithfully to you. Even when we've been stealing from you, you've still given us life and you've still given us stuff. Lord, we want to confess right now the times when we have stolen from you, the times when we haven't given back to you what is yours, the times when we haven't demonstrated thankfulness and shown you appreciation for the wonderful love that you've manifested towards us. We're thankful, Lord, that we haven't shown a concern for the lost in this world, that we're not giving faithfully so that your work can go forward and finish. Lord, forgive us and cleanse us. Wash us clean. Purify our hearts and our minds. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the gift of charity. Give us with the, fill, fill us with the, the gift of love. Give us your mind. That's a giving mind. You so love the world you gave us, your son, your only begotten son. Give us your mind. Give us your character, that giving character to return to you faithfully and joyfully that your work may go forward and we may go home.